This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week we review the business and market headlines with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. And it's a very good afternoon to Craig. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good as ever. It's Friday and that means uh, we've got the weekend and it's sunny as well. It's beautiful out there, but not so beautiful in there. And I mean the House of Commons, because we've just been watching on our TV screens yet another defeat for the government, losing by 58 votes. You more or less got the right score, Craig. Congratulations. You said 60. uh, So you were pretty close. What's going to happen in the days to come? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to take credit for that, but it was actually one of my colleagues who passed on um that information from wherever whatever source that came from so it's uh yeah i I can't really take credit from there from that um but yeah it's a lot closer than the previous votes that we've seen but obviously this isn't to do this isn't a vote on her on the withdrawal agreement and the future trade relationship uh, outline this is purely on the withdrawal agreement and that's one of the confusing things that we've seen from today and again i think this is another sign that politics is being prioritized by far too many people in parliament because ultimately uh, unless we are unless we head down a completely different route and unless i'm mistaken uh from from what we've learned so far any of the options that were discussed on wednesday in parliament and any that are going to be discussed uh, and agreed upon uh, on Monday, if there is a majority in favour of any particular model, is going to come on top of the withdrawal agreement. So this idea that that we will not back a blind Brexit, I think was, again, just more politicking. I do think this was just an idea of, I know we're going to accept it at some point, but we want to accept it on our terms. We want to accept it at a time when uh, when we are finished effectively trying to humiliate the government in order to try and drum up support for another election. More and more throughout this process, we've seen these politics being played, and now we're getting down to the crux of it. You're seeing people now back down on their politicking. We've seen it this week. Look at uh, uh, Boris Johnson this week. Not too long ago, I think it was Boris who was saying, no Brexit is better than this, this agreement. I couldn't ever back it. And then this week says, for the will of the, for the, will of the people, I, I will back it. And it's like, well, we, they, both of these sentences can't be true. And we've seen it from many other people as well. Dominic Raab today as well. Exactly. He resigned in protest against the withdrawal agreement and said it was something that he couldn't back. And now today he's backed it. Um, if you want to Brexit and you want Brexit properly, then get an extension and renegotiate. You, this fear of an extension because you think that you could lose Brexit. Well, if you're so scared of losing Brexit, then you haven't got much faith in the original vote and you haven't got much faith in the people who delivered the original verdict and you haven't got much faith in your ability to deliver what was promised. You can't get an extension, really, because the European elections are around the corner. When I say an extension, a meaningful one where proper negotiations can take place. Because the problem is, at the moment, the EU think there might not be any Brexit at all. So why would they come up with a compromise solution, for instance, on the backstop. The hard Brexiteers are hoping for a no-deal Brexit, so there's no reason for them to compromise either. And there's everybody else in the middle which are wavering between one version of the future and another. It's an impossible situation. Perhaps with a new Prime Minister, things could change, but we've got the clock ticking by and those European elections are a crucial factor in whether or not we're going to make it. Well, we we could hold European elections, uh, and from the Europeans' perspective, politically, that would be a, a, a terrible thing. Do you not think? I mean, have we not 
gone through enough terrible political situations. I don't think we've got there yet. Yeah, asking I mean, the general, asking the electorate. Don't get um, wrong. I many, don't want to join. No, <laughs> but asking the electorate to 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 vote for something that half of them thought wasn't even going to exist uh, as part of uh, you know uh, British uh, Euro MPs. Um, it's a very odd thing. Maybe we could have a general election and a European election on the same day. <laughs> it is a very odd thing, and it is. Uh, it's a very unpalatable situation. I think that's quite safe to say. But the simple fact of the matter is, from a European's perspective, if we were to request a longer extension in order to renegotiate something well, how or many start, weeks are you start again, about? oh, I mean, it would have to be at least a year, surely, if it oh, was I going see. to be. Right, okay. So this would be a long extension in order because, like I say, civil if, disobedience, well, riots on the streets. I mean, a new party, this Brexit party coming through. At the end of the day, we know that if Parliament truly doesn't believe in this deal, then what's more important? Is it that we get it done correctly or we get it done quickly? Um, the, what, we've what, also what, talked what, about this off air. What, a number, of them, what yeah. a number of them are now saying is, I am absolutely staunchly against this deal. I think this is the worst thing that could happen. I think this is worse than no Brexit at all, but I'm willing to back it because Theresa May said she'll resign. That does not say very much about their integrity. Well, it's not just about Theresa May resigning. It's about the clock ticking down, isn't it? No, it's about Theresa May resigning. It's about a leadership opportunity opening up. It's about the potential for someone to fill that spot that isn't Theresa May. Um, you, you don't always want to be such a pessimist about this and such a cynic about it, but the events that we have seen unfolding over the last number of weeks have shown us that there's not many people in, that, in the Houses of Parliament who have an enormous amount of integrity. We're watching a situation go by, um, and granted, this is my own personal reading of this and everyone will have their own, but we're watching a situation unfold where the hardline Brexiteers have decided to back Theresa May's deal because they're scared of a long extension. They're scared of a long extension because they're scared of the vote the public changing them changing their minds well you can't very much have much very much faith in what you're doing if you think the public is going to change its mind and i if don't the public think that's why they're scared of a long extension about the public changing their minds i think they just feel that we voted uh those that did vote for brexit um i'm gonna to have to say that i didn't but um um the rest of everybody listening can work out what you think but they they voted um and in good faith that we would leave on march the 29th or, or around that time of course as we've seen and a longer extension is just goes against everything that we believe in doesn't it nothing in the vote had a date on it and what we're seeing now is it's not simple straightforward what we're seeing now is not everyone had their own ideas of what a brexit actually meant as I said earlier, it's better that we get this right than we get it done quickly. And I can't help but stress this again. I do not want to be reading about Brexit for the next 12 to 24 months. But this, again, I can't get Economic over uncertainty as well. Economic uncertainty. There is, there is very there's strong arguments for and against an extension. Um, but the simple fact of the matter is everyone in Parliament does have their own agenda on the table here. And it seems that very few people are prioritising what is actually the right thing to do. Because as I say... You've got this with the hardliners, with the SNP. It's very much in their interest to make this as hard, hard and it's painful and interests. everything as possible. It is all about interest, isn't They're it? not going to block Brexit per se, but they are happy to make this as painful and as unpalatable as possible. When we have Brexit, then they've got something, again, to drum up their support. The Labour opposition, they want an election. They've the made problem that is clear. interests. The Labour Party, they want an election. DUP want to protect Northern Ireland and they have the agreement with the Conservative Party. SNP, they want another referendum and they want out anyway. And the hard Brexiteers, and then you've got everybody else somewhere stuck in the middle, really. They just really want to get on with it. And this was the worst thing about the extension in my eyes, was it gave people two more weeks to show those interests. That mm. vote would have gone very differently today if the alternative was no Brexit or no deal. I truly believe that. 
But now, because... What's the most let's, likely let's now, Let's not forget Craig? the timing of this, the timing of the things, the events this week does have an impact on things. We had the votes on Wednesday and the second session was on Monday. MPs in Parliament know that on Monday they can have another vote and maybe move towards a softer Brexit, humiliate Theresa May that much further, potentially show her, show her to be extremely weak, drum up support against the second part of this deal, which is the future relationship, and therefore almost kill Theresa May's deal entirely. And then, especially from the Labour Party perspective, then potentially get that that that, that second election or the long extension. For though, for, for for them, this was a win-win situation. But this was no longer the final day, and that's what made it possible. So now we do have two more weeks of uncertainty. Now we do have uh, two more weeks when ev- a lot everything is back on the table again. It seems. And we'll see on Monday. Well, of course it is. Well, I, I don't understand what's actually now off the table because ultimately, if Parliament can't agree, can't get behind a another form of Brexit on Monday, then Theresa May is the only option on the table still. And how are markets reacting uh, to that loss for the government by fifty eight? So the so the markets haven't moved that much to be honest. Um, it, there seemed to be a lot of speculation that it was going to be a close vote, which it still was a relatively close vote, especially compared to some of the other votes Theresa May's put forward. But there was a speculation that it was going to be defeated, um, roughly right around that number, as we as we mentioned earlier. I wish that was my estimate, but it was just something that's come generally from the market. So the pound has dropped off a little. It's back to 130 against the US dollar. That's interesting because that's the lows, uh, the range lows that we've been we've seen really for the last month and a half. So the fact that we haven't broken those lows suggests markets aren't too disappointed. It's not like we're now facing no deal, but it means it's a little bit out of our hands at this stage. We've just had a, I've just had a notification now that Donald Tusk has called a European Council summit an emergency summit for the 10th of April, two days before the effective current and and still default no deal um, exit day uh, on the 12th. Um, again, I don't think that's necessarily a coincidence. I think that's giving us no time in the aftermath to mess around and uh, ha- play politics anymore. It'll also give us time to sort out our domestic agenda and decide what we actually do want because so far we've voiced our we've, we've voiced what we don't want more than enough times uh, on a more than enough votes in Parliament. So we've just very much decided what we don't want. We've now got um, just under two weeks, 12 days to decide what we actually do want. Um, and it's very much now down to the EU to decide what kind of an extension they want to offer us. Whether they want to offer us one at all, I imagine they do. How long they want it to be, I imagine it's not going to be short because why would they want a short uh, extension as I've previously alluded to? It's hard to know exactly whether this is good or bad for the pound really because a long extension, as you've just mentioned, it does have its upsides and its downsides. Increases the possibility of no Brexit, but it also increases the uh, the, the length of uncertainty. And as we've uh, alluded to already... The most frustrating thing about all of this is it means that we're probably going to be talking about this for a, a long time. How are you, Craig? <laughs> uh, You've aged I, in the last few years that we've been doing this. I've, I, I, I feel like I've aged full, at least it? four times as long as yes. this has been going yes. on. Um, and it's but, got nothing to do with having a baby. It's all to do with the other B word. I think it's partly to do with having a baby, but mostly to do with the other B word. It's mostly to do with... I've gone from talking about the markets and what makes them interesting to looking at the in-depth of parliamentary procedure. And, well, at least um, you're learning something. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I honestly feel like I know the fa- I know the names of more MPs at this stage than footballers. So I think I really need to walk away from this, re- reflect, uh, and reevaluate my life because once upon a time I was an avid football fan who uh, who who followed it all this game closely and really enjoyed it. And now I'm a guy who goes to the pub and spends three to four hours of nerve or two to three hours of nerve or whatever it is. Speaking about Brexit and MPs, once what upon a-, a time you didn't know who Anna Soubry or Mark Francois were. What a sad life that was, eh? <laughs> right, let's move away from Brexit, uh, albeit briefly. Um, quick one on the US-China talks. We had a tweet from US Treasury Secretary uh, Stephen Mnuchin earlier. Uh, they say that uh, trade talks have, have gone constructively in Beijing. Uh, the White House says the USA may drop some tariffs if a trade deal is reached while keeping others in place to ensure uh, China's compliance. So I suppose they're going in the right direction there. Yeah, it does seem to be very much that we are at the tail end of these negotiations and that there are some small technical details which still need to be agreed in terms of, like say, uh, like you've alluded to there, the, the removal of tariffs, uh, the specifics on uh, things like technology, forced technology transfers. I even read today um, it was about comparing the, the Chinese text with the US text and ensuring that there is consistency there and there's no areas uh, of grey there's no um there's no differences um so the, so that takes a lot of time i imagine this isn't a one-page document so that's going to take some time to in, to ensure that from a purely legal perspective um both sides are on the same uh, on the same line here and at some point over the next month or two maybe three we will actually get this uh, over the line uh, and that removes a huge amount of uncertainty for markets and it's very much buoyed the markets at the latter end of this week because we've gone a bit quiet on that front uh, and that is rarely a good sign so the fact that we are seeing some positive commentary again coming from this it's positive for the market it removes one potential headwind one potential hurdle for from a, a macro perspective at a time when there is enormous amounts of economic uncertainty in the world right now we are seeing a massively massive dovish shift from central banks um, uh, and this has been rightly pointed to as one major cause of uh, of concern and uncertainty. Talking of central banks, we'll get a decision from the Reserve Bank of Australia in the next few days. Yeah, they're, they're not going to cut rates at this stage, but they've gone, it seems, from being the next rate move will be higher to a little bit more neutral and maybe even more dovish. It'd be very in keeping with everywhere else if they did become more dovish on this and they did uh, strongly signal that um, another the next one would be lower um, obviously there's certain domestic uh, economic issues there um, particularly in the housing market um, that have uh, really hampered uh, the economy and also um, it, they are closely linked to China so any slowdown there does have uh, knock-on impacts because of the strong, t- straight, uh, strong trade ties which they uh, do have so yeah, I expect it to be very much in keeping with what we've seen from other central banks recently. Finally, we'll get the latest US jobs numbers uh, next week. Uh, last months were disappointing. What are markets expecting? So last months were extremely disappointing. But again, this came back to what we've talked about previously on the show, which was that part of the government shutdown, part of the downside of that was it was likely to mess with the numbers. And we've seen plenty of uh, evidence of that. We've seen massive revisions in the last few months from well above 300,000 with 100,000 revision. Uh, We've seen two months when we've seen above 300,000, which again have been revised. Now, last month, we saw a terrible employment number 
um, of around 20,000, I think it was at the time. Um, but I think the important thing that we have to look at with this data is that unemployment is still 3.8%. That's still extremely strong. It did tick higher at one point because of the, again, the, the way data was collected. But now we're back at 3.8%. We're expecting a decent figure again this month, 175,000. So that's uh, encouraging. And we're expecting decent wage growth as well. So I think we're going to be back to the norm here. But important we had the GDP revision for the US uh, this week. It was revised slightly lower. It showed that the economy uh, did grow slightly slower uh, last year, below what Trump believed was easy and achievable at 3%. Uh, and now we're facing a, a year when it's going to be, there's going to be many more uh, challenges. So I think people are going to be paying very close attention to this data because in this environment, and when sentiment is this fragile, as fragile as it currently is, Another poor jobs report may suggest to people that this is not just about the shutdown. This is not just about the data, that maybe there is something fundamental here that points to a slowdown in the first quarter in the US. And that could be something that could make things even more challenging. Craig, good stuff. Go and have a lie down. Try and get uh, some sleep ahead of uh, the next round of Brexit. I think I'm going to go out in the sun. Uh, yes. And, uh, Reflect. You enjoy yourself. <laughs> you enjoy yourself. Have a very good week. We'll speak to you again soon. You too, mate. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.